One day Jesus was teaching, and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal those who were ill. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friends, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, Who is this fellow that speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, Why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, We have seen remarkable things today. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Johnny. Well, having forgotten what the gospel passage was, I better stop and pray and ask for help. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for your word. We pray now that you'd come by your spirit, that you'd help me to speak, and that you'd give us all ears to hear your voice. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, um, a little while ago, I read an article in the Church of England newspaper, which was headlined, The Hottest Question Facing Christians Today. And I wonder if you have a think about what that might have been. Was it how to respond to Islam extremism? Well, actually it wasn't. Was it what the church should do in regards to homosexuality and women bishops? No, it wasn't about that either. Was it about the strident atheism of Richard Dawkins? No, it wasn't. What this article claimed was that the hottest question facing Christians today is how on earth we tell others about our faith. And... At first glance, you might think that that would have little to do with the account of Jesus healing the paralytic. But just hold that thought in your mind, and we'll come back to it later. In fact, the story of the healing of the paralytic isn't even really a story so much about healing. In fact, I think there are at least three, maybe more, themes which take priority over the healing itself. And I think those are the importance of faith, the connection between faith and the central gospel message, the transformation of people's lives through the love of God, and thirdly also something about the attitude of religious people to those on the fringe, those who are outside of church. And before we look at those things a little bit in detail, let's just set the scene. Because in this account, I mean Luke is a master storyteller. The gospel writer of Luke is a master storyteller. And, uh, and in this account he begins by making it clear to us who 
his audience was. In verse 17, it says, One day, Jesus was teaching, and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. Now, it's hard to make the translation into today's culture, if you like, but let me just have a little go at it. So, imagine this. There was this man you'd heard of called Jesus of Nazareth, and you'd heard he's preaching at St. Matthew's, and leaders of all the Christian denominations from all over the south of England had gathered to hear what he had to say. And the, the lecturers and the principals of all the theological colleges had come along because they'd heard that this man, Jesus, was drawing the crowds and they wanted to check him out to see if he was for real. And so already there's a kind of tension there. Jesus is kind of on trial. They're watching him. And then the next thing we see is that Luke says, at the end of that verse, the power of the Lord Jesus was with Jesus to heal those who were ill. Well, everyone, a lot of people had heard about Jesus' healing ministry at this time, and so not only are all the great and the good gathered to check Jesus out, but they're expecting a healing miracle. They want to see, they've come to see Jesus heal someone. So the tension builds again. And then what happens next? Enter the person who needs healing. Verse 18. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. Well, now there's a paralyzed man in front of Jesus and all these people are watching. What are they expecting? Jesus is going to heal the paralyzed man. Obvious. That's what he's going to do. There's expectancy. And then Jesus drops the bombshell. It says in verse 20, when Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. What's gone wrong? Why is there no healing? What's Jesus talking about? Surely he was going to heal him and there's no healing. Well, let's just kind of take a time out there and just think about what this tells us about what's important to Jesus so far in the story. And I think the first thing that comes out of it is that what's really important to Jesus is faith. He says, when Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. And I don't think he's talking about the faith of the paralyzed man. I think he's talking about the faith of the friends who brought him. Some commentators say that, well, it's, it's the It's the faith of the paralyzed man as well as the faith of the friends. But I'm not sure that that's true. And I think it's important. And the reason, for two reasons really. First of all, it's the friends who are the subject of verse 18 and 19. And therefore when Jesus says in verse 20, when Jesus saw their faith, I think he's referring to the subjects of verses 18 and 19. And that's the friends, not not the paralytic. And secondly we get a bigger clue from Matthew's Gospel. Because Matthew, in his account of this event, he records Jesus as saying, before he says, your sins are forgiven, Jesus says to the paralytic, take heart. In other words, cheer up. The paralytic didn't look like it arrived with much faith for the healing. He needed cheering up. And so I think it's the faith of the friends that Jesus is commending. And of course, 
what faith they have. Isn't it incredible? Because when they can't get through because of the crowds, they even take the risk of going up onto the roof, making a big hole in the roof, and lowering the paralyzed man down in front of Jesus. That is a lot of faith. And so that's the first thing, the faith of the friends. And then Jesus says to the paralytic, friend, he says, your sins are forgiven. And so the second thing we see is the connection between faith and the power of the gospel to transform lives. And you know, we know this is true. I mean, we know this from experience. We've, we, over the last three and a half years, we've heard person after person stand here and tell us how the love of God in Jesus has transformed their lives, how the good news of the gospel has changed their lives. We've heard Fred tell us, we've heard Alan tell us, we've heard, we've heard um, Chris tell us, we've heard Lisa tell us, we've heard so many people stand here and tell us about the transforming power of the gospel. And why is this so transformational for the paralytic? Your sins are forgiven. Well, the reason is that in Jesus' culture, it was widely believed that if you had a disability, if you had a long-term illness, anything like that, it was God's judgment on you for your sinfulness. That's what they believed. And so this paralytic would have been largely a social outcast. He probably would have been a beggar. And certainly, the religious establishment, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, would have had nothing to do with him. He would have been unclean, sinful. And so when Jesus says, your sins are forgiven, he is changing this man's life in an instant. He's saying that God loves you. Even this man. God loves him. Just as he loves the Pharisees and the teachers of the law and all of the other people. And this is transformational in the life of the paralytic. He's no longer an outcast. He's brought into the fold. That's the gospel. God loves you. John chapter 3 says that, that, that God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world. But he sent his son into the world to save the world by, through Jesus That's the good news of the gospel. God loves each and every one of us. And the only thing that's required, as we see from this story, is to come to Jesus for his forgiveness. So going on, what about the attitude of the religious leaders? Well, we see in verse 21 that the Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, Who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins? But God alone, aha, they've caught him out at last. But do you know something? I don't, think Jesus, I don't think the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were particularly bothered about the theological correctness of what Jesus was saying, other than catching him out. Because you see, I think if Jesus had said to the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, your sins are forgiven, do you know what I think they would have said? I think they would have said... You're right. Spot on, teacher. Yeah, we've made all our sacrifices at the temple. We've said all our prayers. We've, we've done all our ritual hand washing. We've done all of that stuff. We, you're right. We, we know our sins are forgiven. That's right. But what really got them was that Jesus was saying that the paralyzed man, the person who they thought was an outcast, a sinful 
good for nothing was actually on the same level as them and they hated him for it. It just turned their world upside down and inside out. They couldn't accept it. And you know, it's so easy sometimes for churches to be a bit like this as well. Some people fall into the trap when when someone is prayed for time and again and nothing changes. Sometimes people say, oh, maybe their faith isn't enough. Maybe they've got sin in their lives. But do you know what? Jesus, time and time in the Gospels, specifically breaks any link between disability, illness, and sin. He did it with the blind man. He did it with the Tower of Siloam. And if we read the book of Job, where Job's friends are all saying, come on, Job, you must have sin in your life because all these bad things are happening to you. God says, no, it's not. He says, Job is right. He's my righteous man. Jesus died for the sins of the whole world. And the only thing required is that we come to him and ask for forgiveness. You know, David Parker, who is the pastor of the um, Desert Vineyard Church um, near Los Angeles, I heard him speak once. And he talked about a time when, at his church when a prostitute turned up one Sunday morning. And, uh, and she was seeking, she was asking questions about, about her life and, and, and about God and, and whether or not perhaps there was something more to life than she knew. And after a few weeks, she came to faith. And that was great and everybody was pleased and happy about that. But then she started bringing her friends. And then some of the good and faithful of that church came up to David Parker after, uh, at the end of a service and said, David, you cannot allow these women in skirts this long or this short uh, and wearing practically nothing, you cannot allow them to come into church like that. You've got to tell them to leave. And David Parker said, he said to, to, to these people, he said, I can't ask them to leave. He said, this could be the only chance they ever have to hear about a God who loves them and wants to forgive them. He said, I'm not going to ask them to leave. And so some of the good and the faithful left instead. But the people that Jesus wanted to reach out to with his forgiveness, they stayed. Jesus died for everyone, for the sins of the whole world. And you know, to be honest, I relate to the paralytic um, quite strongly in some ways because when God ambushed me, 15 years ago, when I wasn't a believer, I wasn't a Christian, when he ambushed me, I had no faith that there was a God. I had no faith that there was forgiveness on offer. But fortunately for me, I had a friend called Chris, and he did have faith. And on this trip to South Africa, Chris took me to this little church out in the bush And during the service in this church, God completely undid me. He completely took me apart. And everything changed after that. I heard about a God who actually loved me, about a God who would forgive me for all the rubbish in my life, all the things I'd done wrong, the way I'd hurt people. And you know, one of the most powerful things that happened in that service was when... A 75-year-old farmer got up 
in the middle of a time of open prayer and, uh, and to pray. And he said, I, I want to tell you about my nephew. I've just come back from the UK. My nephew has just finished his thesis at one of the universities. But there was a problem because his nephew was a very strong Christian and on the front page of his thesis he dedicated it to his Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. But unfortunately the thesis had gone to be marked or adjudicated by someone who was either an atheist or so, anyway, someone who had something against Christians and his work had been failed. And everyone knew it was a problem because he was a straight A student. He'd never got anything less than a grade A star in his life. And so it had gone to appeal. And so I sat there thinking, okay, well, I know what he's going to pray. He's going to pray that this is overturned and the, the thesis gets passed and we all live happily ever after. But you know something? That's not the prayer he prayed. What he prayed was that that adjudicator, that examiner, would come to know the love and forgiveness of the Lord Jesus Christ. And do you know what? In that moment, I was, for a few seconds, I was horrified. How can you pray for him, that horrible person who did that? I was absolutely horrified. And then the penny dropped, and it was like scales fell from my eyes, and I realized that God looked at me just like that as well. He forgave me all the rubbish in my life, and it changed me forever, because that's the power of the gospel. What should be our reaction? What should be our reaction to what we see going on in this passage? Well, just to conclude, really, I, I heard a lovely description by Bishop Andrew Proud, the Bishop of Reading, when he was addressing this question about taking our friends to Jesus for forgiveness. He said, he's, it, it was a meeting actually mainly of church leaders, and he said, he said, when in John's resurrection account all of the disciples were locked in an upper room, the doors were locked for fear of the Jews. Jesus had been crucified for fear of the Jews. He said, at that point, the church was an indoors church. The gospel was locked in a room, in an upper room. But then Jesus came walking through the door and he breathed on them the Holy Spirit and he said, I'm sending you. And the disciples went out and they took the good news of the gospel out to the world and they became an outdoors church. And Bishop Andrew Proud asked all of the church leaders present, he said, is your church an indoors church or is it an outdoors church? And it really got me thinking. And I thought, well, actually, there's quite a bit of outdoors that we do at St. Matthew's. There's, lot, there's good things going on. We do Alive and Kicking, and the Holiday Club reaches hundreds of children in the parish, and, 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 and the, and the um, uh, Cafe Alive um, brings in lots of, of parents from the school, and, and, and things like that. But then I thought, I wonder how good we are individually, though, at, like my friend Chris, bringing our friends, our family, our non-believing colleagues, whatever it is, how good are we at actually having the faith to bring them to Jesus, inviting them to church, to, to the Alpha course, whatever it is. Alpha star, uh, uh, is, is, is the first full evening of the Alpha course is this coming Tuesday night. And we had the introductory evening last week. And there's plenty of time for you to invite someone still 
to this coming Tuesday night. I think this is the challenge. Will we find the courage and the faith to step out just as the friends of the paralytic did, just as my friend Chris did? Will we find the faith and the courage to step out and bring our friends to Jesus in order that they can receive his forgiveness? Amen.